listening to the weekly podcast presented by the Lighthouse Midlothian. For more information, please visit us at www.dfwlighthouse.org. Thank you and God bless. shared, but I'm glad to be back. So uh, I promise not to make up for it in time, but we do have plenty of time today. Yeah? So uh, anyone need to stand up and stretch before I start talking? Just feel free. No? Okay. Hi, guys. Hi to our online family. Yeah? If you're there, say hi. Okay, turn with me to Ezra. I'll just keep talking until you get there, okay? Ezra. That is in the Old Testament. And it's right after 2 Chronicles and before Job, which is before Psalms, all right? Ezra. When Bill Vanderbush was here a few weeks ago, anyone remember that? Boy, that was a dynamite word. I suggest you hear that again or hear it if you haven't already. Good word. Um, About God's grace, his favor, just what he does for us. We don't deserve it, but he does it. We're saying he loves us. His love is free. It cost him everything. Yes, and he loves us anyway. And then we had a wonderful series brought by Pastor Chris about fellowship and the importance of belonging, the importance of staying connected, good stuff, really good. Anyone enjoy that? Okay, the Barretts did. That's awesome. All right. And Christina got to share for the family service, and that was wonderful. And then Becky, wow. If you missed last week, you've got to hear that word. Go to the YouTube channel, type in Lighthouse Midlothian, and listen to that all about bread. I went to Aldi that night, and I kept throwing bread in the basket. Connie said, what is going on? And I got home and realized it was the power of suggestion. I texted Becky, you are not allowed to preach on that anymore. So it was, it was, it was really good. It had a definite effect on me. But it was, it was a great communion message. Today we're going to talk about rebuilding, because when Bill was here, that's where I was going with that, I just heard very distinctly rebuilding, rebuilding. Now, you don't have to go too far to see that we're rebuilding, we're rebuilding, and it was kind of neat to drive up today and see that new building all gift wrapped and ready for us, okay? It's not quite ready yet. There's some brick that's going to go up. There's a roof that's going to go on. All kinds of stuff's going to be done on the inside. It's going to be very basic, but it's going to be nice. It's going to be comfortable. It's going to be a new space. And God's glory is going to fill that place. Because that's not the church. We're the church. We're the church. So why do we need to rebuild? Well, things break. Things break. This world is a broken place. 
and we're all rebuilding at some level. God says it's time to rebuild. And I will help you. At the lighthouse here, we, we are rebuilding. It may not be quick, it may not be easy, but we're doing this together. Children and youth, connect groups, Bible studies, through Celebrate Recovery, personal prayer, worship, even over a meal at the coffee house or simply even a cup of coffee, we're rebuilding. We do it here. We do it on the streets. We do it even in other countries. Are you tired of things being broken? Brokenness in our world? Let's rebuild. Let's rebuild. Let's do it together. So Ezra, if you did find the book, okay, I don't have it on the screen today. I brought my hard copy. and I've got two digital backups, okay? If you're going to go digital, go backup. Right? Always have a backup. Always have a backup plan. That's why I keep Tim around. Always have a backup plan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So Ezra is a book of the Bible whose main theme is rebuilding. Ezra was a priest who helped rebuild the temple in Jerusalem somewhere around 440 B.C. That's a long time ago. That is old. All right, Ezra is an English version of a Hebrew name, which means the Lord helps. The Lord helps. And that is such a cool name for someone who's rebuilding because we cannot rebuild without the help of the Lord. Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, we're doing all this work for nothing. And I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more I want my work to actually count for something. So let's read chapter one. It's very short. Let's read that together. In the first year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah was fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, the king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it into writing. And by the way, they found a cylinder with the writing that had a proclamation from this king Cyrus that said the nations that were under his rule could rebuild their places of worship. Isn't that incredible? They have found this. I have a picture of it here in my Bible if you want to see it later. Thus says Cyrus, the king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you, all of his people, may his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord. The God of Israel, he is the God who is in Jerusalem. And let each survivor in whatever place he sojourns be assisted by the men of his place with silver and gold, with goods and with beasts, besides freewill offerings for the house that God is in Jerusalem. 
Then rose up the heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose spirit God had stirred to go up to rebuild the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem. And all who were about them aided them with vessels of silver and gold and goods, with beasts and with costly wares, besides all that was freely offered. Cyrus the king also brought out the vessels of the house of the Lord that Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem and placed them in the house of his gods. Cyrus, king of Persia, brought these out in the charge of Mithridath, the treasurer, who counted them out to Sheshbazzar, the prince of Judah. Aren't you glad you're not reading this out loud? <laughs> and this was the number of them. 30 basins of gold, 1,000 basins of silver, 29 censers, 30 bowls of gold, 410 bowls of silver, and 1,000 other vessels. All the vessels of gold and of silver were 5,400. All these did Sheshbazzar bring up. When the exiles were brought up from Babylonia to Jerusalem, let us pray. God, you are awesome. You are wonderful. You are a God who creates. And even when things are destroyed, you help us rebuild. We thank you that you're helping us rebuild this church. We thank you that you're helping us rebuild in the brokenness and the loss after the pandemic. You're helping us rebuild our communities. Lord, the enemies come to steal, kill, and destroy, but you came to give us life, and life more abundant than we could ever imagine. We thank you today for your word. Bless it today. Breathe on it. Let it be life to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So we're in Ezra. There's a huge backstory of how these people got to where they got to be. All right? The, it's the entire Old Testament, okay? Because this, this is kind of how the Old Testament ends, because they do rebuild the temple. And then there's a couple prophets like Malachi. And then there's this big gap. And then you have the New Testament. So we're at the end of the story here. And starting with creation, God calls Abraham. He gives him a promise to give him some land. Then you have... Moses, you have the Exodus, you have the parting of the Red Sea, and then you have Joshua who gets the land that God promises, and this all takes hundreds of years. Then you have the judges, then you have the kings, you have the prophets, and finally, the fall of Jerusalem. Okay, you've just had a graduate course in biblical history. Collect your diploma on the way out. Isaac will help you back there. All right. But the story of God, forget about all the history. It centers on the word of the Lord that God gave Moses on Mount Sinai. Anyone heard of that? You've heard of the Ten Commandments? All right, so Moses came down off the mountain. And basically the word of what God gave to his people, he gave them all these rules and regulations, but basically he said... You're my special people. I have rescued you. I have taken you from being slaves. And I'm going to put you in a land that is amazing. And you're going to worship me there. And if you obey me, you'll do well. You'll prosper. You'll thrive. You'll be the envy of the entire earth. 
But if you don't, and this is your choice, if you don't, I'll send destruction on the land. It'll be taken from you. Now, this is the thing with God. This is the thing with planet Earth. It's a broken place. Things break. Second law of thermodynamics, things left to themselves will break down. Do you own a car? Does it break down? Even a brand new car. I've had my car since 2008, and I want to keep that thing running. I love that car. I've hauled a lot of stuff with that car. But it breaks. It leaks oil. It makes funny noises. The air conditioning, if it's not fully revved, it's not fully cold. That car's not getting better and better. It's getting worse and worse. So you got to maintain it. And you got to maintain your walk with the Lord. You just don't walk up and offer your heart to him and then go off and do your own merry thing. you got to maintain it. And, and God's saying this to his people. You've got to maintain this relationship. It's a friendship with God. And you have to maintain your friendships. If you don't, they break down. It's just the way of the world. And so, unfortunately, you just think, and throughout the Bible, they have these powerful revivals and experiences, and God comes and shows up, and oh, wow, we're going to serve God forever now, and everything. Yes, and every time we have one of these big rallies, Joshua, like, choose this day who you will serve. We'll serve you, God. I mean, even under Moses, they have this amazing experience with fire and lightning, pyrotechnics, you name it. Seventy elders have dinner with God himself. They get a glimpse of heaven. Forty days later, they're making an idol, the golden calf, and they're worshiping that. And we shake our heads in disbelief, and we have our experiences with God, and God gives us miracles. We don't always go that strong, do we? We need to have fellowship. We need to get together. We need to remind each other that God is real. And you may have had a bad week, but guess what? This is a new week. And you just got to keep going on. Amen? Okay, so the people disobey. And then you have the good kings, and there's good kings, and there's bad kings. There's prophets that come. The prophets prophesy. And yet they find themselves. God is so patient. He just keeps giving them chance after chance after chance after opportunity, after word, after miracle, after prophet. And finally God says, enough. I gave you your last chance. You're going to get carried out of this land that I gave you, and you're going to be taken to another country, and you're going to be there. And they don't even believe him. They fight to the death to keep what he's given them, even though they did not fight to maintain the relationship that he had offered them. It's a very sad story. So through the prophet Jeremiah... God says, I'm going to take you away, but it's going to be 70 years. 70 years. And then I'll bring you back. This was the word of the Lord.
Okay? So 70 years is up. And they return to their country. And there's Ezra, who's a priest. And he's in charge of rebuilding the place of worship. That's where we are right here in this story. And so in this particular chapter, we see several things. We see that there is a plan, the plan of God. God has a plan. God had a plan at creation. When Adam and Eve blew it, God still had a plan. When Cain blew it, God still had a plan. You name it, we cannot outblow God's plan. Isn't that great? He always has a way to get us back on track. And so God has a plan. We can either go with it, or we can try to ignore it, or even come against it, but God will prevail. If you don't hear anything else today, hear, God will prevail. God has a plan for each one of us. Some of us have deviated from that, and God was faithful enough to bring us right back on track. God had a people, and he was getting them back on track by bringing them back to their homeland here in the book of Ezra. Number two, we have the provision of God. God provides a way for us to accomplish his plan. Now, this is pretty incredible. Several times in the chapter that I read, it said that Cyrus was making a way. He was giving from his own treasury the ability for them to rebuild the temple. He says, I'm going to help finance this. And besides that, all these treasures that were taken away from you when the Babylonians conquered Jerusalem, they robbed the temple. They took all this 5,400 vessels of gold and silver. That was worth a lot of money. He went to the treasury and he got all this stuff and he said, you can have it back. I'm restoring this to you. And that's what God does for us. You know, we've lost so much due to our bad decisions. But when we come to God with an open heart, he says, I'm going to get you back what was destroyed, what was robbed, what was stolen from you. And he will do it. He will do it. God provides. And it says not only did he provide through restoring the treasure that was lost, the people's hearts were stirred to give. And everyone pitched in. And everyone's like, yeah, we're going to do this. So there was great unity accomplished through the provision of God. Then we have the providence or the protection of God. God is watching out for his people. Finally, we have the purpose of God. What is the purpose of God in this whole story? It is to redeem mankind. It's to bring mankind back into relationship with himself. And so we get into the prophetic here. God spoke of things to come. All throughout the Old Testament, he talks about sending a redeemer to restore. And he's talking about Jesus. So this rebuilding of the temple 
was not just for then, and it was not just for them. It was part of the plan to pave the way for the chosen one to come, and that chosen one is Jesus Christ. God was making a way. God had a greater plan in mind than just what was going on around the people. We need to remember that. So imagine, if you will, today, go back in time, imagine being one of those 50,000 Jewish people who were captive in Babylon, and then the emperor says, you can go back home now. And out of the many millions of people, I believe, 50,000 brave souls says, we're going to go back. We're going back to Jerusalem. We'll get to be back in our homeland. We'll set up our customs, and we'll set up our traditions, and, and we'll get to be our own people. We won't be a minority anymore. We're going we're gonna to be what God called us to be. And so 50,000 people, that's not much more than the population of Midlothian, Texas. It's not really that many people, but they go. They return with a strong sense of destiny, with, a, with, with ideals and plans, and they're excited. Can you imagine? But then they get back home, and they have to face the reality. Everything's been destroyed. It's rubble. The walls are broken down. They're burnt. They're charred. The temple is in pieces. You can't even recognize it. Deep breath. It's going to take a lot of hard work. It's work. It's hard. And there were enemies that didn't want him there. So in Nehemiah, we see that they were rebuilding the walls, but they've got a trowel in one hand and a spear in the other. And yet, they were right in the middle of God's purpose, whether they knew it or not. They are right there. They played their part in history to accomplish God's plan by just living out their daily lives. And when you look at it, so many things came together for this tiny little nation to accomplish the task of this rebuilding. So many things came together. Empires are birthed and come crashing down. Prophets have spoken. Jeremiah has said, a hundred years before, that Jerusalem will be rebuilt after 70 years. Isaiah names Emperor Cyrus a hundred years before he's even born. Daniel, the prophet, Daniel in the lion's den, he looks at all this. He finds the writings of Jeremiah, and he seeks God. He says, wait a minute, something's going on here. And he prays on behalf of all his people. World history is literally swirling all around this one tiny little place. What's the application here? Do not discount who you are, where you are, or God's purpose for you. 
The entire universe is swirling around us. We're not just an insignificant speck in the cosmos, ruled by randomness and chance, bumping atoms. We are the children of the most high God. He has an eternal plan, and you and I are a part of it just like those few people in Jerusalem were a part of something so big they didn't even know. We get lost sometimes in the doldrums and don't realize God has a plan, and you and I are part of it. In the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, God's closing out the history of the old covenant, and he's setting the stage for the new covenant. Daniel prophesies that there'll be a period of time during which a great worldwide upheaval will take place, culminating in the rule of the Romans. And during this time, there'll be a conqueror who will crush all earthly empires. Counterfeits rise and fall. But God brings a baby into this tumultuous world. Isaiah says in chapter 53, who has believed our report? It's crazy. Before the report ever is even written, it's so fantastic and unbelievable how God fit things together to bring his son into the world. So when Bill Vanderbush was here and I got this word for rebuilding, I really felt like right now, right here, that there is a pivot in the progress that we're experiencing. There's been so much up in the air, so much uncertainty. But I really believe a corner has been turned. I see so many things that need to be rebuilt right now. Our children's church, they got the ceiling painted. Hallelujah. Progress, progress. That happened last week. Our worship team, a lot of people have moved on. But God's rebuilding, amen? amen? He's rebuilding. Our physical premises, our deacon teams, our hope, our vision, our fellowship. We've come out of a time of isolation and separation and we're rebuilding our infrastructure. Now, when you rebuild, you analyze what once was there, and you build it stronger, and you build it better. I watched on TV with everyone else 20 years ago when the towers fell in New York on 9-11. And a couple years after that, I visited New York while they were still salvaging the ruins, it took years to clean up that mess. I got up on a walkway that was nearby and I looked down into the gaping hole. Then several years later, for my grandson's sixth birthday, we visited New York and we rode up to the top of the Freedom Tower. And we looked down at the memorials below 
which take the shape of the footprints of those towers that were there once. Things break here on planet Earth, even some of the greatest structures in the world. There are attacks. There's destruction and there's devastation. All of us have experienced it. We've experienced it as a nation. We're coming out of, hopefully, a time of loss from the pandemic. We're rebuilding a lot of things. We may have just lost our building, but we're rebuilding. Some have lost loved ones. There are things that are irreplaceable. But the good news is that we get to rebuild. The human spirit may get knocked down, but we get back up again. And we as Christians, as people of faith, know that we don't get up by ourselves. God is with us. He helps us to rebuild. He puts a forever family around us to help us. Philippians 1.6 says, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God is rebuilding each one of us. 1 Peter 2.5, we are living stones being built into God's house, his temple. We are being pulled from the rubble and the heaps of destruction and being fashioned together into something greater than we could ever imagine. God is the builder. Matthew 16, 18 says, I will build my church and the councils of hell will not prevail against us. So, we must cooperate and allow God to build us up because he will use the restored versions of ourselves to become the restored version of his house. A house to contain his glory. That's what it's all about, revealing his glory to the world. And we don't do it alone. We do it together. It's not because we've earned it or that we deserve it or how good we are. Absolutely not. Bobby talked about those stinking bags of trash. You know, each one of us, we're a mess. Some of us are a hot mess. But there God is in the middle of the mess. He's with us. His grace, which is the favor he gives as a gift, his grace is amazing. His mercy is seen in this story because he replanted and rebuilt a nation that had turned away from him. And he's the same God today who displays his great mercy in saving and healing us even though we stray and let him down repeatedly. This story gives us hope and reveals the heart of an amazing God. Now Ezra's temple that he was rebuilding was nothing compared to Solomon's temple. What was God at work doing here? You see, the future focus was to be on a spiritual house that could contain the presence of God. We see a glimpse of that when we gather, when we sing, open up the heavens, let us see your glory. We see just a glimpse. 
But one day, it will be revealed when Jesus comes back to earth. He's coming again to find us serving him and loving him. Get ready. God is building something great. And we get to be a part of it. That's exciting. Can you stand with me? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We just worship you right now. We worship you right now, God. Let's just thank him that he's rebuilding something. We may not know the outcome. We may not see the finished product yet. But through the eyes of faith, we can see that you are building us. You said that you were going to build us into your image. And that seems so impossible looking at the mess sometimes. But God, you are able to do the impossible. You are able to do above and beyond anything we could ask or even think. So Holy Spirit, come right now and show us those areas that need to be rebuilt and restored in each of our lives. And we all have them. Lord, help us to have patience with the work in progress because we all want it done right now. <laughs> but God, it, it takes time. And it takes our cooperation with you. Holy Spirit, we give you our lives. We give you our hearts. Lord, we give you this place. We give you this construction process. But God, more than that, we give you our hands and our feet to help you rebuild something in this world that will bring you glory. Thank you, Lord, that you're here right now. We worship you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah.